When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, the Dockers team song hasn't been played often enough this year, just the nine times. To discuss matters, Frio, we have Dockers legend Paul Hazelby. Of course, he's also one half of the run home with Hayes and Mardo on SENWA every afternoon, weekdays. Hayes, welcome. Good morning, Duff. Great to be with you. Mate, before we get to Frio, what do you make of the situation at West Coast with Adam Simpson? Yeah, look, it's interesting, isn't it? Of course, you want you want your, co- your board member group to really back your coach in, don't you? And now you've got this period where they haven't. They're still waiting to make that decision. I think going forward, it makes it pretty untenable, I guess, in terms of whether they retain him. Because you've had that period where they perhaps thought that maybe he's not. They're considering sacking him. And when you get to that position, I think, as a football club, the right call for me is to make the hard call, move on, make some changes within that football department, and try and improve from that part forward. So what does the weekend do, the big win over the Western Bulldogs? It's, it's, I mean, I'm, 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 I think I'm of the same mind as you, but do, can a board be swayed by a performance like that or does it just highlight the, the gulf, if you like, between best and worst? They can get caught up in the emotion of it because a lot of those board members would have been in the rooms. There's a celebration. There's a lot of love towards Adam Simpson. But I don't really buy too much into the Adam Simpson love. And it's not just applying to Adam. I think in that situation with coaches, and you ask the question, you know, what's the alternative? You can't say, oh, no, we don't have his back or no, we want change. You've got to back in your coach. So whilst I think, you know, I take it on face value, some of those comments by those players, I think as a board group, you've got to be careful in how you interpret some of that stuff. But it has to be done not just on one week. It's based on the season. It's based on last season. It's based on the position that they've put themselves in over the last probably three to four years with poor list management. And Adam Simpson admitted last week he has been a big part of that list management. So that's how I see it. I'm frustrated for the West Coast Eagles because of that performance, because where has it been for the most part of the season? The Fremantle Dockers haven't been great either, of course. They were competitive but beaten again at the weekend. And I'm just wondering, Hayes, like if, if they were good enough to be top six last year, why are they no longer good enough? And they had a crack at the weekend, but it's just they're not quite at that level anymore. It's a lot of same, same, isn't it? And I've been thinking about that this morning on my morning walk. Like, have they improved under Longmuir in terms of their scoring, in terms of their skill level? Because under Ross Lyon, I think we look back and they were the Achilles heel of his coaching. You look at the points scored so far this year, currently I think we're 12th or 13th. That's not a premiership build. You need to be inside the top six for scoring and also for your defence. Now, we know defensively Justin Longmuir is a very good coach, but what he's had to do this year, particularly early, he had to give up some of that defence to, of course, improve some of the scoring. And there's a breakdown, I think, with the complement of the forwards, but also the midfield as well, because they do dominate periods. And I was frustrated quarter time again, and they've done this a lot against Brisbane. They did it. Actually dominate all the key stats. And you look at the 
stat sheet at quarter time, you go, wow, Frio statistically should be three or four goals up. Then you look at the scoreboard and it's 2-3. And that may be a big reason of why we've had so many poor first quarters from the Fremantle Dockers. Because when they get momentum, they don't capitalise through skill execution going inside their forward 50. And in my opinion, one or two more gun forwards to help with that execution. So are they a bit obsessed with mediocrity? You know, they, and when I say mediocrity, no one who plays AFL footy is... Is, is mediocre. It's it's a very um, high watermark of uh, of skill and effort just to get there. But do Fremantle have players in their team that are that are, uh, are battlers, if you like, at this level, and and that when you need that finish and polish, which we saw from Port Adelaide in the critical moments of the game and the weekend, Fremantle has too many players who can't deliver that. I think you're spot on. And you look at their two best players. So Andrew Brayshaw, we admire what he does, both with the ball, without the ball. But he had two chances to kick goals on the weekend from easy set shots. And he hasn't been the best player kicking the ball inside the forward 50. And he's the one that needs to be. And you can apply the same to Caleb Sarong. He's only kicked the three goals for the year. He's had a magnificent season. But again, he had that chance at a critical moment for the Dockers to nail one from 25. And his kicking inside the forward 50, I don't think, is in the elite class. Then you've got Liam Henry on the weekend, who's your outside ball winner. I think he had nine turnovers on the weekend. And I do admire how he takes the game on, but I think he needs to be pulled back a little bit in that regard. I think Hayden Young can do it, but he hasn't had the best kicking year either when he was in defence and also through the midfield. And then you've got the other guys that come through there that are probably not great kicks either. So it's hard to recruit for. And there, you know, there have been clubs in the past, like Hawthorne, that recruited for kicking. It's never been something that Fremantle have probably done. No, well, um, Sarong, Brayshaw and Young took four shots on goal between them on the weekend for naught four. Mm. And, and you're right about Sarong. Sarong, Hayes, I reckon's gotten a bit sloppy fundamentally. He's doing those little poke kicks sort of like half across the body and, and it's become a thing with him. And um, it's something that a player like Zach Butters can do and can master. But to me, Caleb Sarong needs to get back to some fundamentals with his kicking. Like I get the feeling Justin Longmuir was pushing for him to be in the All-Australian team. I don't think he will be, and I'm not sure he should be, with the damage that comes from his disposals. Look, I, I'm pushing for him to be in there too because I think clearance-wise he's had a great year, particularly statistically. But you make a good point. Sometimes those clearances, there is a lot of quick kicks and some of the better midfielders in the comp now are probably getting the ball and trying to exit their way out somehow by handball or maybe trying to get a bit of space. So that's the next part for him. But, you know, he has had a absolutely unbelievable season in terms of consistency consistency. I thought the game on the weekend was probably his worst. He did fumble a lot and he didn't have the same sort of impact. But, you know, for them to go to the next level, I think they're two gun midfielders and throw in Hayden Young. They're three have to start to impact the scoreboard a little bit more, but have to start to hit those kicks inside the forward fifty. What did you make of Tom Emmett and his debut? Thought he was pretty good. But he's pretty similar to what they've got, isn't he? Like he's like a hybrid of a couple of players Switkowski, there's a bit of speed there. There's a bit of Lockie Schultz about him as well. There's no Michael Fredericks about him, but um, there was a lot to like. He looked like he was composed at the level. He finished well with the two goals, got up the ground and was tough. That was the appealing thing as well, that he put his body on the line for his teammates. So they had another one, and they do have you know, now four, five, even six small forwards that they can turn to. Banfield came back in. We know Sturt's been improving as well. They really do have that part of the ground covered, but even with all of those players, they're probably not the most skilled by foot going inside the Ford 50, except for Michael Walters, who's, of course, ageing.
Yeah, so Michael Walters obviously is a star and was an established player in the team, so therefore he is there. It's fascinating that all those guys you mentioned have played more than Sam Sturt, who's probably the one that does have that finish, isn't it? And that and that probably says a bit about what they value more and and maybe that's why they end up with these players that aren't great kicks and maybe it's why they end up with a team that's not a great kicking team across the board. Because players get good. Well, I think all coaches... Yep. Yeah, in this day and age, have a big focus on you know forward pressure. So being in that part of the ground, you've got to be able to do that first and foremost. And that actually was the Achilles heel of Sam Sturt for a long time. But he had a really good pre-season, improved that part of his game, won the trust of Justin Longmuir, and then now we're seeing the benefit of that. But you're right, I think Switkowski's another one that can actually kick the ball pretty well, but um, is, is probably not the highest possession player in their team. Your boy, Jai Amos, looks like he's a bit tired and banged up now, doesn't he? He got some touches up the ground, took some nice contested marks and did a couple of nice things. But that the being the post-up target, if you like, has started to wear the 19-year-old down, I think, as the season has gone on. Yeah, that's to be expected, too. And I know they're so excited about him because of his lack of a pre-season. So he needs another one. He didn't have one this year. But having said what we just said about inside 50 connection, it doesn't help. There were times where he was out. But what I'm loving is every single week, I see something different from him that adds to his game. On the weekend, whether it was a directive, he was around the wing a lot. Maybe it was there to take a Lira Lear away from centre-half back, but he was taking contested marks on the wing. Add that to all the other facets of his game, he's building nicely, and I think it's going to be a pretty exciting season for him next year if he stays fit. List management, Hayes. What would you do with the likes of Nathan Wilson, Joel Hamling, Travis Collier? They're getting into the veteran stage. Um, do you keep a couple of round around for depth? Um, do you let them all go? I'd let Travis Collier go, and I'd let Nathan Wilson go. Both have had really good careers in the AFL, but I would be enticed to keep Joel Hamling because, to be fair, Fremantle had a great run all season, and that makes it even worse where they're finishing on the ladder is they haven't had too many injuries. So if they were to lose Alex Pierce, who's going to come in and be that backup? Now, I know they have a couple of youngsters that are there, but I just think at the age of 30, they've waited three years for this guy to get fit. And when he played, he was OK. It also does give them the look, if they decide to go down this path, perhaps over the pre-season, to have a look at Brennan Cox in the forward line. Because, again, on the weekend, we saw a sample of it. He went to the forward line, only had four minutes there, but took a contested mark and kicked the goal late in the game from 50 metres. I haven't seen too many players do that this year. No, it's Brennan Cox is such a commanding presence in the air, isn't it? It does make you wonder what he might be able to do. And even if you still decide he's your main interceptor, so he spends most of the time in defence, even like um, what used to happen a little bit with Luke McFarlane or Adam Hunter at West Coast, where they go forward a bit at critical stages of the game just to give you that presence, it it has a lot of appeal, doesn't it? It has an appeal just to try it. And I'm not, you know, I'm 90% confident that it can work and he can be a 40-goal-per-year player because what we underestimate is he's smart. It's his body movement, but also his ability just to drift in slowly, I reckon, as a leading forward to certain targets, he would add value. He had two targets inside the forward 50. One, he gave away the free kick, but he got himself in a really good position, took the mark. What is the harm in trying him this week or maybe give it throughout the off-season? where or the pre-season he trains as a forward, have a look at it. Because, you know, Josh Tracy, he's, the, the unique thing about Josh Tracy is he's played just about every game. He's kicked 13 goals, three. 
Well, 13 4 now. So he's only had 17 shots for the year when you've been the number two key forward for the season. I still think there's growth in him, I do. But going into next season, do I look at their forward line and their key forwards in Amos and Tracy and think that can be top four or top six? Right now, I can't. Yeah, Tracy's an interesting one, isn't he? Because he's, he's actually, his ruck work is actually improving. He's learned to plan his body and push the other ruckman off the drop of the ball. And so he's getting hands on a lot of balls in stoppages around the ground, which is encouraging. But that takes us back to the, that other talking point of, you know, Luke Jackson as your number one ruckman or Luke Jackson as the number two ruckman with Sean Darcy as your main guy, which is there's a lot of sort of list management issues for Fremantle to tidy up here, isn't there? There is, and they've got some big decisions to make, but I get the feeling they may be a bit gun-shy on the back of last year where they had so much movement, so they'll just be keeping all their players together, which means Jackson goes back to the forward line, and you do have Jackson, um, Tracy, if it's him, and also Joy Amos as your key forward. So, you know, you roll out the same, and you do look at the ladder, and I've been asking myself, because I've been a believer in this new system. I think Justin's improved a few facets of their game plan, but you look at their last 10 and it reads three wins, seven losses. I'm not sure many people in the AFL circles right now, if you're thinking about next season, would have a female inside the top eight. No, it's the youth on their list, I suppose, that that tells us that it's not um, absolutely cataclysmic. But you're right, there's significant improvements to be made here and there's no guarantee that they make them um, because... We think the answers are possibly there or probably there, um, but they're not definitely there. If you could bring one player into the mix at Fremantle from elsewhere, what sort of player would that be, Hayes? Charlie Kerno. Oh, well, everyone wants Charlie Kerno, Hayes. <laughs> wait, wait. Well, that's what I think they need. Like, I know they're hard to get, but uh, I think they need another key forward because most of the good teams have two available. And most of the great teams have probably four players like that on their list. You look at the key forwards that uh, Melbourne have right now at their disposal throughout the season. Like They've got four or five, but you know, you'd say most of them are better than Fremantle's one except for Joy Amos. Um, Luke Jackson, of course, you put into a little bit of a different class when he's in the ruck, but I think they just need that one. And I would be really tempted, if it was me, to just get Georgiades. He's not exactly what you need, but he's available. And look, you'd love Logan McDonald next year. You'd love Aaron Norton, but is it realistic you're going to get those players and what will you have to give up? Georgiades is there. I think you get a cheap price. You could probably pick him up for the compensation pick for Liam Henry if you were to lose him. Um, you think Liam's going, don't you? I, I, I definitely think he's going. Oh, I think murmuring's out of Fremantle. Uh, but if he hasn't signed already, then it's likely that he won't be there. And look, we mentioned the asking price last week, and I said what Fremantle would want. And you know, I think the end price could be around twenty to twenty-three in terms of the pick. Fremantle would love pick fifteen for him. But you know, if you look at Georgiades, he would be around that mark as well because he wasn't playing at the stage of his ACL. He's coming off the ACL. He's out of contract. If you were to roll. Liam Henry in the Mitch Georgiades, I think I'd have more confidence in Fremantle going towards next year. So if Liam Henry goes, who takes his spot on the wing, given he's been a fixture in the team in the back half of the season? I do think they've got some irons in the fire with Jeremy Sharp. We haven't seen with Gold Coast this year. I think Gold Coast got a bit frustrated because he was close to leaving last year and Fremantle almost had him until Jager O'Meara popped up. So there's an option there to bring some outside run. I know he's a very good runner. 
um, East Rio boy. Um, you've still got O'Driscoll on the list there. You've got Matthew Johnson that's coming through as well. Um, you know, you've got decisions on Jager O'Meara. Have we lost Hayes? We may have lost Paul Hayes will be there. Yep, he's gone. Uh, it's probably just about time for a break anyway, so we'll uh, we'll take that break. And uh, thanks, Hayes, for his time. Don't forget, you can catch up with Hayes and Damien Martin, of course, the run home at 3 p.m. on weekdays on SENWA. We are, as always, brought to you by Isuzu Utes, and you can live your own way in the seven-seater Isuzu MUX. We'll be back after the break.